0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 28. We'll actually be looking at the end of chapter 27 and chapter 8 in our time together. I don't know if you've had this experience where you've um, kind of picked up Time magazine or perhaps U.S. News and World Report and so forth. It's kind of like there's what we might say like a spiritual burp twice a year where you can read an article around Christmas time, and around Easter where they say something that talks a little bit about some of these Christian events. And um, you begin to read, and it's not too long before it sounds like the resurrection doesn't have much to it, much more than the Easter Bunny. You know? I mean, the way some liberals will tell you in some of these articles. Or you flip on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel, and you have a whole host of quote-unquote scholars experts, when they start speaking, by the time you get to the end, you think, you know what, somebody may have just fabricated this whole idea of a resurrection, right? I mean, that's what you're told. And I would want to argue very, very strongly against that position. And I would argue something else. There's wonderful books out that counter all that stuff. But I would say this. If you take any system which rejects the resurrection... And follow it back far enough to its foundation and its source, you will find out at the very source is a system that starts out with opposition and rebellion against God. That's where it starts. And so there may be people down, many years down the road, that believe something that they don't even know. They, well, they were told all these experts, and you track it back. But here's the bottom line it's not like that's objective. And what you believe as Christians is subjective. That's what we're taught sometimes, isn't it? And it's absolutely false. The resurrection is based on historical reality. What I want to do with you today, this morning, for just a few moments, is I want to take you back to the first denial of the resurrection. In our day, there's all kinds of views. People will either say, well, look, if we want to deny the resurrection, you either have to figure out a way in which you have to say he didn't actually die, right? And so he swooned. They got all kinds of views. Or he never actually resurrected. And there's all kinds of views out there. You know, hallucination view. You know, all these people just imagined it. Or, or, Or they just fabricated a lie. A whole host of things that are out there. You have to do one or the other. But the oldest... Denial of the resurrection comes in Matthew 28. And I want you to look at it. Because what you'll find is there's nothing objective about it. It's purely subjective at the very core. It's pure rebellion against God. So let's look at this first denial. As we do, I want you to notice a couple things. Kind of break down this passage. Um, In chapter 27, verse 62, through the first verse in chapter 28, what you're going to find out is there's going to be movement to the tomb. Both by those that oppose Christ and by those who embrace Christ. Very different stances, but they're both going to move to the tomb for very different purposes. Secondly, we're going to find out activity that occurs at the tomb itself, both by those who oppose Christ and those that embrace Christ. And lastly, we're going to find out movement from the tomb, both by those who oppose Christ and those that embrace Christ. So there's the outline, okay? I said it a little bit quick. It's taken a little bit longer to get through it, but that's where we're going, okay? So let's come back here to chapter 27, book of Matthew, starting in verse 26, First of all, movement to the tomb by those that oppose Christ. Notice what the text says. Jesus has died. It is now Saturday. It's now um, Sabbath day. And like I was saying in the first hour, what typically, if you're a good Jew, are you supposed to be doing on Sabbath day? Nothing. Just resting. Unless you're really nervous about Christ and his followers, then you can fudge the rules a little bit. Notice what happens. Now, on the next day, which is the one after the the preparation, so we're looking here at Saturday, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I am to rise again. Folks, I want you to think about something for a second. the blessed disciples who had heard Jesus say again and again and again, I will die, I will suffer, I will die, I will be buried, and I will resurrect from the grave. Never quite picked it up, did they? Because every time they heard, I will die, they're thinking like, no, 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 that can't be. so It's like they didn't hear the rest, right? But the religious leaders standing around and hearing these kinds of things thought to themselves, resurrect from the dead. Well, we, we don't believe in that either, that that's going to happen, but we had better be prepared because we don't need that rumor to actually start. So they want to be proactive here. So look what they do. So we remember he was saying this, verse 63. After three days, I would rise from the grave. Therefore, verse 64 Give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Lest the disciples come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. So they say, look, the only way, if Jesus is saying this and saying this and saying this, and if his disciples at all are believing it, the only way they could fabricate that is, they'd have to get to the tomb, get the body out of the tomb, hide it somewhere else, and then go around saying, the tomb's empty, the tomb's empty, the tomb's empty. So, I mean, they're thinking it all through. They're they're very brilliant men. So they say, look, put a guard there till the third day. Because he said three days, so we'll we'll give him that, three days. And then put the seal of Rome on that stone. Because if you break the seal of Rome, you're dead. That's how it works. So have the seal there, And have guards there. And they'll never steal his body. And the rumor will never go forth that he resurrected. And they think to themselves, we did it. That's the first movement to the tomb. Who comes to the tomb of the followers of Christ? Soldiers? No. Look what the text says. Chapter 28 and verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, these are good law-abiding women, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, it's early on Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Now, we know from the other gospel accounts that some of the other women were involved too, but these two are isolated by Matthew. So, strength and power, rigidity, from those that oppose Christ. Love and sorrow and compassion from women who merely want to come to the tomb and anoint a corpse of the Messiah that they loved. That's all they're thinking, right? They're not expecting any. They're not going saying, he's risen. They're not saying that. They're grief-stricken. They just want to be there. So they're going for this reason. And as they go, there's these guards here speaking of great strength. And everything changes, doesn't it? Notice what happens at the tomb and that impact on those that oppose Christ and those that embrace Christ. Look what the text says, verse three, um, verse two. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment was white as snow. He's telling the people in the first hour. You know your experience in the morning, guys, when you get up to shave. It's dark. You go into the bathroom, you flip on that light. You know, I don't know about you, but we have like a super bright light right there over our sink, so you can see when you're shaving. And I go, in there, oh man, <laughs> you know that feeling, right? This that this experience. Far excels that, doesn't it? I mean, it's like the flash of lightning. It's worse than looking at the sun. In one moment, these guards are there, and all of a sudden, the stone is rolled away. So that Jesus can get out? No. So the people can get in. So it's rolled away. This angel is brilliant and bright. You can't even look upon him. What an event. So what does the angel do to them? What does the angel do to the women? Notice what the text says. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The text doesn't indicate that the angel said anything to them. These guys are on the ground like dead men. What do you know about dead men? They don't move a whole lot, right? These guys are on the grave, and I don't know about you, but sometimes everyone's so scared you're, I'm not even moving. I mean, that's where these guys are. They're just like frozen. And the angel doesn't say, oh, it's okay, guys. You'll be all right. Oh, no. The angel says, so be it. Just leaves it alone. But what does the angel say to the women? I love this. Because look, they would be scared too. The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. I know why you came. You love him. You're grief stricken. He's not here. For he is risen just as he said. Come, you come and see the place where he was lying. And I wonder, text doesn't tell us, but I wonder at that point if like, their brains starting to shoot off, you know, like, oh, oh, I do remember him saying, like, yeah. And he said, wow, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, he did say this. like, hello, why did not we pick that up? And the angel said, it's all true, it's all true. He's risen, go tell his men. Look what happens, verse eight. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Well, how else would you go? Folks, what would that be like? In one moment, you're approaching the tomb, thinking he's gone. But let's just honor him any way we can. And the next moment, you're going like, like, wow, he's 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 resurrected. Everything has changed. Just as he said, they departed quickly, and they ran to report to the disciples. And who do they meet on the way? Verse nine. Behold, Jesus met them. And greeted them. And they came up. He took hold of his feet. And they worshipped him. You're talking about a whopping good worship service. That's it right there. I mean can you imagine what that must have been like. They were just absolutely thrilled. And Jesus looks at them. And notice what he says. Jesus said to them. Do not be afraid. Deja vu. Go and take word. To my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. Now, that's two very different scenes, isn't it? To those that oppose Christ, he allows them to remain in their silent fear. To those that embrace Christ, he tells them about the resurrection. And he says, go and tell my brothers, the disciples, What has happened? Third movement. We've looked at the movement to the tomb, activity at the tomb, movement from the tomb, both by those opposed Christ and those that embrace him. Look at what it says here, verse 11. Now, while the women were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city. I I don't know any of this. I'm just guessing on this one, but do you ever wonder where the other guard guys are? maybe still like, can we move yet? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But a couple of them got up and said, we better go tell what the people what happened here. But anyway, so some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And the chief priests and the Pharisees in unison, trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, began to follow him, and everybody lived happily ever after. Does anybody's text say that? No, folks, I want you to think about this. They're about ready to propagate a lie, and it's not because they believe it. Because what should have happened at this point is these guys should have come up and said, you know what? we were over there, the uh, you know just go through the whole thing, right? Whole thing. Explain it. These guys at that moment should have said, "We were wrong." I Me mean, His death. like, yeah, it didn't make a difference. Dying for the sins of the world, the Lamb of God. We should know all that stuff. He's resurrected. This is the Messiah. Let's all. Isn't that what you expect? That should have happened. They had no question what had happened in that tomb that day, folks. They knew. But unbelief was so entrenched and so powerful that they would rather reject the truth. And propagate a lie. Look at what they say. And when they had assembled with the elders. And counseled together. Verse 12. They gave them a large sum of money. To the soldiers and said. You are to say. His disciples came by night. And stole him away. While we were asleep. I have to tell you after congregating together and counseling together, you would have thought they could have come up with a better one than that. Why did they put the guards there in the first place? Because they were afraid his disciples would come and try to steal away his body. They didn't believe in the resurrection, but they thought they'd come and try to steal away his body. But in a moment of panic and unbelief, rather than believe a lie, somebody says, hey, why don't we go with that stealing thing? Okay. So they create this idea and and, and they say, we'll just tell people that while the guys were sleeping, the disciples came in and stole the body. That's a really good one. But that's what they do. Now, you're a little bit nervous if you're a soldier. Because if I'm guarding you in antiquity and you get away, guess who gets the punishment right here? So... They go on to say this. The guys, they know these guys are nervous. So they stole away the body while he slept. Verse 14 And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And I don't know about you, but I would have been nervous for years on that one. You know? And they took the money and they did as they had been instructed. And folks, listen to this. This is very important. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Matthew is writing in the 60s. Jesus dies in 30. 30 years later, you could talk to people and say, you know that Jesus Messiah thing? Oh, yeah, you know what? My uncle's uncle's father-in-law's brother's grandfather told me that the body was stolen. Really? Oh, yeah, that's all that is. I mean, everybody knows his body was stolen. Really? Wasn't there a seal on the stone? Yeah, pretty heavy. Yeah, guards all around it. Yeah, the the guards were really like really heavy sleepers, apparently. And for 30 years, they propagate this lie. And Matthew says, in the face of unbelief, You can't believe the resurrection because if you believe the resurrection, it will change everything. So rather than believe it, you fabricate a lie and 30 years later, somebody that just sincerely believes it doesn't realize that its very foundation was based on rebellion and unbelief. It's the first denial of the resurrection. You don't have to read the contemporary stuff. This is the first one propagate a lie but Jesus wants his people to propagate the truth look at what verse 16 says but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated I I don't know this but I, I have wondered sometimes if it was the same mountain where Jesus gave the sermon on the mount anyway but when they saw him they too worshiped him, but some were hesitant you can 't blame them for that right? I mean this is a lot of stuff now they 've already met Jesus, seen Jesus on several other occasions in Jerusalem, but in Galilee, they come up, and they 're reeling still this is just this is amazing things and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying this in verse eighteen: "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples." of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus comes to his own. He says, men, I'm the perfect God, man. Lived the perfect life. Died the death you deserve to die that I may redeem you from your sins. Came out of the grave to show that I have the power over death and sin. And now, as the exalted King of Kings, I want you to go into this world under my authority, with me, because I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to go out, and I want you to call people to me. I know something about everybody sitting here today. Do you know that? I know something, not much, something. I know you're either with Christ or you're against him. You say, no, 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 Doug, Doug, I'm not, not, I don't believe in the resurrection, but I'm not like a wild skeptic kind of a guy. Fair enough, fair enough. But you're part of a trajectory that comes out of unbelief. And if you buy into that system, there's no hope. Today, even as our sister and our brother, on Easter Day, they both bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. And you can too. You can come and say, you've died for me, you've resurrected, which means you too will resurrect me one day. I can have you as my Lord and Savior right now, sins forgiven, brand new direction in my life, you with me wherever I go. Yep, that's exactly correct. You can have that today because of what Christ has done. I'm not proclaiming to you the Easter bunny. The Easter bunny means nothing at the end of the day. It's okay eating the eggs. But Christ's resurrection is reality. It was validated by one person after another. 500 people saw it at one time. Do you realize that? You know one of the views today of why you can't believe in the resurrection? Some people say, well, you know what? Everybody hallucinated. Can you imagine 500 people hallucinating at the same time? Now that's a miracle. (laughs) But you see, if you don't wanna believe, you have to keep fabricating some explanation. There is no other explanation for the transformation that came in those men's lives and down through history but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. And if you don't know him, today you can accept him. And if you do know him, because he's resurrected, brothers and sisters, live with him, for him. Under him for a lifetime. Because at the end of the day, nothing else matters. A couple, a week or so ago, I took some of my family members. We went to see that movie that's out called God's Not Dead. Has anybody seen that? You should see it. You, okay, you, you, was it good? Did you like it? It was good? Yeah. Um, yeah, I it. You should go see it. So I want to just play. The title was God's Not Dead. But can I play off of that? But say in this story, what we learn from the disciples is Jesus is no longer dead. He is fully alive. And that changes everything. If you don't know him, come. If you want to talk more about it, we're here to talk to you afterwards. We'd love to talk to you. And if you do know him, walk with him. Because you know the resurrected Lord. Let's pray. Father.